The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to the 750. I am your O.R. Joe Ochoa. He is your 75 two-time Super Bowl champion, college football Hall of Famer, and the president of the I Hate Lincoln Riley fan club. It is Tony Casillas. TC, what up? Wait a second. We've we've moved on from that. I think it's I'm not going to be president. Uh, I hate <laughs> you can be like treasurer club. Oh, oh, oh I'd love to be treasurer because there's <laughs> a lot of well, there's probably a lot of checks going to be cast in the future. Unfortunately, for USC fans, there's not going to be enough games to validate that. But hey, I'm all about the <laughs> about the about the the big world getting as much as you can. But uh, it's great to be here. You know, I got the uh, Christmas carols bellowing through the house and just trying to st- keep up beat, man. And uh, um, hope you're doing well, my man. I am. You mentioned the I hate Dak, Dak Prescott fan club. We'll get there. But before we do, I wanted to ask you, Tony, what is a in your opinion? Not your opinion, but what's a movie that feels like a Christmas movie to you that isn't a Christmas movie, right? Like, you know, Jingle All the Way, like Home Alone. There are obvious Christmas movies, but what's what's a movie that that makes you feel like Christmas that maybe, you know, would be weird to a lot of other people? I have several of those. So like that New York Post, not New York Post, but the, uh, you know, the the. Trying to think of the the postcard, if we will. I, I don't know people in the Generation X, they, they know what postcards are, but these postcards <laughs> used to send in the mail. So you, you're talking about that just when you think of like Christmas, like in the Rocky Mountain High, the mountains, and just, you know, what is authentic. Not Elf or anything like that. We're not going to use that as reference, correct? Right, sure. Um, Man. <laughs> I don't know. I have to go old school. It's a wonderful world. I don't know if you've seen that. But yeah, it, but, it, but that's kind of that is a Christmas uh, movie. I mean, um, I, I, so I'll give you an example. My wife has never seen the Harry Potter movies. So um, we started watching them uh, over the weekend. Just, you know, like, hey, let's watch them all, you know, so you can see them all. I've obviously I've read the books, seen the movies, whatever. Um, that's kind of a Christmas movie to me. Like, it again, it's I realize it's not a Christmas movie because it's it's Harry Potter. Oh, but uh, oh, um, oh, because it came out on the Christmas holiday, kind of like Die Hard. I think that's part of it. Um, like, I definitely feel I- I definitely feel like when if you watch a movie around this time of year that has nothing to do with Christmas, there's a there's like a psychological part of you that identifies it with Christmas. When I was a kid, um, I got the movie Rush Hour 2 
for Christmas. Oh, I love uh, it. oh my gosh, uh, Chris but, Tucker and, and yeah, Chan, but, man. but so yeah. I got I got that movie like as a Christmas gift from my parents when I was a kid, like with a bunch of DVDs and whatever. And so, like, I watched it. And so, like, that movie does make me think of Christmas. Again, even though it has nothing to do with it. Uh, oh, uh, okay. So you're something that, that kind of, does she remember on a Christmas? Yeah, so, like, again, oh, maybe okay, maybe okay. a movie, like, again, Rush Hour 2, which is in no way a Christmas movie, but makes me think of Christmas. Like, okay, do you well, have something I, like that? I'll think of, I remember when, the, I'm, when Die Hard came out, and I remember it was on the Christmas holidays. Mm. And so... You know, there's always these movies that come out during during that time sure. of year because a lot of people are going to. I, mean, I will tell you a funny story real quick. I'll make it the Reader's Digest version. There you go, old school again. But uh, you know what Reader's Digest is? You ever? Yeah, I know what Reader's Digest is. I remember seeing it. In your, the, your parents in the, used to get that. No, uh, but I remember seeing it in the grocery store, like in the aisle next to the yeah, National Enquirer and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. Uh, but uh, I'm trying to. Th- OK, so this is a true story. So real quick, because this was during the holiday season. Wolf of Wall Street came out and I've seen the, Wolf- the original or the, the, the more Wolf of Wall Street. OK, with, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Right? OK, so the, the uh, remake. OK, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. So there you go. So the, the, the remake of it, which to me, uh, then he ended up, I think he won an Oscar for it. But any, anyway, uh, I think it came out maybe my kids are 21. So when they. May come out maybe six, maybe seven years ago, maybe something like that. Yeah. 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 So they were much younger. Uh, so let's just say, let's just call it 10 and just make the store better. So let's say they're 10 years old. And so it came out uh, that week uh, for Christmas holidays. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I, like you do, it's like, hey, let's get the family, let's get out of the house, you know, we're, let's get some fresh air. So we go see a movie. So we didn't look at any of the previews of this. Wolf of Wall Street. That's an interesting so movie got, to take a kid to. Yeah. 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 So that's why I'm going. So we're sitting in the in the movie theater and our kids are sitting there. And we're Hey, you want to get some popcorn kids? And so all of a sudden we go on, we go on, on a, a side and we do a review. And so there was like the first thing we said, there's 500 F words. The F word is. And so we're thinking, OK, maybe. And so we said, so, OK, kids, you're not going to sit in here. So we're going to go take you to see Frozen 2. And I think they've already seen nice. that before. So we all know what happens at opening scene of Wolf of Wall Street, right? Mm-hmm. So there you go. So that was kind of one of those. That would have been a train wreck. Our kids are sitting there. Listen, the first scene, 10 years old. And we're looking around and we're like the only adults in there. There's no other kids. But, so I, <laughs> I, so, so I, I remember Wolf of Wall Street that came out during the Christmas holidays. And I almost okay. traumatized my kids. And they probably would have called social services on us because, uh, like, you parents, you're bad parents. You got your parents that are watching Wolf of Wall Street when the first scene is like, we, we know, was it uh, Margot uh, Roby? We saw that scene in the Ferrari. Okay, that's all I got to say. Yeah. yeah, that's what I remember about the Christmas holidays and movies that come out during, that's the, during the holiday season. That's uh, an interesting story, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but, yeah, like, that was my point. We all have kind of things we think of around this time of year that don't, you know, that aren't, you know, Christmassy, so to speak. So that's that's an interesting answer. Um, before we get into the Cowboys thing, I'm seeing a movie on Friday. Uh, the new Spider-Man's coming out, Tony. Oh, it looks uh, great. And so my last question before we, you know, fully get on topic, uh, what is your go-to movie snack in the theater? So not something at home, like a, a conventional movie theater snack. Twizzlers. Really? Twizzlers. Yeah. What do you mean, really? I mean, they're okay, I guess. I mean, I'm not. Okay. Well, that, and, and, and it's too much information, but you better make sure you take some gas before you take, eat your Twizzlers. Cause I mean, anyway, yeah. that's too much. That's too much information. The, the, okay. The so we, 
The answer we were looking for is bunch of crunch. That's the answer we were looking for. Okay, here's what I here's what I like to do. This is back in the old, you know. I'm not worried about what I'm eating. Sometimes it comes out. I like uh, I love the the popcorn with butter on it. Mm-hmm. But you got to go get some uh, Reese's cups, and you got to co-mingle it and just kind of dump some of it in the popcorn. Yeah, mix it and, up. And, yeah, and just have a combination of, of okay. peanut. Yeah, so that's kind of my go-to. Thing. That's a better answer than Twizzlers, obviously. Uh, so you I don't know, know, man. It, I love Twizzlers. I, I don't know. It's just yeah, it's just weird. But I yeah. I actually believe Tony. This is now I'm being 100 percent serious. Um, I I remember seeing a clip of Jalen Smith. You know how the how DallasCowboys.com does the sounds and the sideline videos after they win games and shows the Cowboys kind of talking and having fun on the sideline. Um, there was a a, a still of Jalen Smith eating a Twizzler um, like on the sideline, you know, during a game. And so I thought that was very strange. And so when I, uh, the next year, when I was at training camp, I asked, uh, man, I don't remember who it was. It might've been Anthony Hitchens at the time. Uh, no, it couldn't have been Anthony Hitchens. Uh, might've been Justin March Lillard uh, and asked him, Hey, is Jalen, does he eat Twizzlers during the game? And he he laughed and he said, you got to ask Jalen. So, I mean, he didn't give me an answer, but he, he did laugh. And then I asked Jalen when he was walking away and he smiled and just kind of laughed and said, you know what it is and walked away. So had, did you ever think about eating during a game, eating Twizzlers at least? Well, first of all, I don't know what he meant. You know what it is. And I'm like, OK, well, <laughs> I, uh, I'll just leave it at that. Well, that's uh, but, uh, you know, I, I really did because I had such a nervous stomach. And I didn't want to have any accidents. And, sure, uh, and this sure. is probably one of those versions. I'm probably it's too much information, but that's what you get with me and us here on the 750. Uh, but I drank a lot of coffee before the game. And so it ah. pretty much, it really makes it, it could make your bladder a little overactive. Okay. And so I just want to make sure because I don't want to have thinking about that. So usually at the end of the game, whenever the game was, you know, we had it, we tied a bow and the game was over. Uh, yeah, it's effectively I, 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 over. Yeah. 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 So I, I would probably look for a hot dog or something like that. Okay. Um, but usually I wasn't, I mean, I know some guys during the game that would, uh, that would get hungry somewhat, but uh, I don't know. I never thought about food, man. All I was thinking is about, <laughs> Hey, I was after the game on the airplane, sure. on the way home, celebrating, having a nice meal. Nice. Um, okay. Well, we have uh, danced around it enough, Tony. You said president of the I Hate Dak Prescott fan club. Um, this is uh, this is a very interesting time for Dallas Cowboys fans. I feel like we are shaken. We we are we're, we're not who we've always known ourselves to be. You know what I mean? We're like mm-hmm. you know we're we're waking up. You know, like when you wake up after a nap, you're like, what the hell is going on? You know, like you went to sleep when it was light outside. It's dark. You just you're kind of confused. And we're in the upside down. You know, the defense is awesome. The offense is terrible. Dak Prescott's one of the worst players on the team. Um, I would say the best player on the team is Micah Parsons. I think you would agree with that. Um, I mean, and there are a lot of awesome players on the defense. I don't want to not give them love, but it's hard to start anywhere except for Dak Prescott. And the first thing I want to say, Tony, is at some point over the last, and I've I've said this a couple of times now in different places, but I wanted your thoughts. At some point over the last, I don't know, 300, 400 days, it became a cardinal sin to criticize Dak Prescott. Now, I understand that a lot of people, myself included, wanted to see him get paid, you know, believed, still believe that he is a top quarterback in the NFL. 
Um, and so there was a lot of defending. I think we're, we're so used to kind of like, you know, having having, you know, arguments to defend Dak Prescott. But at some point in the last you know stretch or whatever, it's if you have at any point criticized Dak, Twitter comes for you and, and Twitter says, you know, her says you're just a hater. You just, you know, whatever. But it's like, you know, he, he's reached this point of, of where he's infallible now. And I don't think I mean, that's not fair, but I mean, that's not the case. Dak has been one of the worst players on the team, which is a, a world I never thought we'd live in. Um, and he almost threw the game away for them on Sunday in Washington. Um, the Arizona Cardinals lost on Monday Night Football, which gives the Cowboys some life as far as, you know, playoff seeding. They don't necessarily have to be the four seed, but they can't do anything if their quarterback isn't playing well. So where you at? Are, is your faith shaken? Are you nervous? Are you slightly shaken? Are you not shaken at all? Is all this stupid? I mean, where, where are you at? What's your temperature? Well, you know, to the point about people protecting uh, you know, Dak Prescott now on Twitter and social media, it's like Lael Collins stepping up and protecting his quarterback. Do you like that, I, by the oh, way? Oh, I loved it. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, me too. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, you got to take one. What, what, that's your quarterback. And so sure. we, I remember we were talking about, well, maybe there's not enough uh, you know, type of uh, you know, that protection and that attitude towards each other last mm-hmm. year because they, there's not you know, this this – intensity and just, uh, you know, this pride, uh, whatnot. Dak Prescott to me, I, I, I don't know that what's going on, but his decision-making and some of the things that we saw him do earlier on the season, he's not doing that. And I, I don't know if it's a communication with the wide receivers. There's a couple of throws are on Dak. I mean, the pick six, without a doubt, that's oh, one of God. those throws. I've ever, I mean, I, I, it's like, I'm, and I'm just like everyone else. It's kind of like, you know, a game that kind of remind me of, the defense played so good, so you, it's like someone's – you're waiting for – you open a door for someone and you go into a place and they're, they're probably, you know, 70 feet away. And you're like, hurry up, hurry up, and they never really get there. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, I'm not going to make it. It just felt like the defense was kind of uh. the offense, and they weren't coming to the door. They were waiting too long. Like, okay, I got to go in. So, yeah, you know, for me, I think that, you know, Dak is just I, – I don't know. It, it's – the communication and just some of his decision making. There's enough hesitancy in his throws where he's giving the other team uh, an opportunity to make a play on the ball. And I, I think that we now with the running game, and I know a lot of people when we talk, they talked about during the broadcast. And I know this is that you got so many playmakers out there supposedly, and, and they do. I mean, I've never seen a team with so many great – Michael Gallup to me is like the, the toes in, you know, right. catching a pass, king in the NFL, just amazing some of the throws he makes and all the receivers. But they got to throw the football to set up the run, and that's when you're thinking, okay, can you close the deal out? Can Dak go and make those throws? And sometimes he makes them and sometimes he doesn't. And so the inconsistencies – and I said this, you know, and, and I read your tweets during the game. I said the defense has masked the inconsistencies of the offense in that game because they played so well. And then when you look at the game and, and, and to that point about him making that pick six, you're sitting there saying, what the no. – they have a chance to get back in the game. So, I don't know. I think RJ – uh, we always ask, you always ask me the question, what is your concern, you know, your, your, your scale from one to 10 with Dak, you know, right now with this offense, it's pretty high. I would say a seven or eight considering how inconsistent they played over the last few weeks. When you look at the other division leaders right now, the green Bay Packers are the top seed in the NFC, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who also 
almost blew their game this past week, uh, but looked better on offense, obviously, than the Cowboys and the Arizona Cardinals. Those are your three division leaders. All of their offenses look better than Dallas's right now. Yeah. Even even the Rams, who are the top wild card, their offense looks better. I I don't I'm not, not joking. I, even San Francisco, the, the second wild card, their offense looks more functional than Dallas right now. I don't believe in them that much, but they, they're smoother right now, at least. And I, I it's it's difficult. I love that analogy, how it, it's uh, and like like I'm not, I tell you what, I'm not going to hold the door open for anybody at the movie on track. So I don't, <laughs> don't want to be late for that. But yeah, like we've all been there where you, you know, you, you see somebody and you're like, I'll just hold this. And they're you know, they stop or whatever. And you're like and then it, and then it becomes awkward because they've seen you holding it. So you can't you can't just close it. You know what I mean? You got to like you're committed. Yeah, that's at a that silver event. yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean. So I remember early on last season through the uh, before Dak got hurt, I tweeted out, um, you know, the starting field position for every Cowboys possession. And it was like the Dallas 20, Dallas 25, Dallas 23, Dallas 18. I mean, it was just over and over and over again, their own side of the field. They were, I think, in the first four games, they started on the opponent's side of the field twice, I think, through the first four games. I remember that. Um, and so. I mean, and at the whole the argument at the time was they're getting no help from special teams because that mm-hmm. was when Tony Pollard was awful at returning kickoffs, and they're getting no help from their defense. I mean, they're they're getting no turnovers, no three and outs and, and punts, no anything like that. And now, Tony, you know, in the New Orleans game, the Cowboys actually got back to back interceptions on defense off Taysom Hill. Back to back series, they, they they get interceptions, and after both of them, the Cowboys offense goes three and out. So, boom, right there, you you get a free possession. You go three and out, not just once, not just twice, but you do it twice in a row. And then this game against Washington, you know, Jordan Lewis recovers a fumble. Awesome. Great. Awesome job, Jordan Lewis. You rule. And he gives the the ball to the Cowboys offense at the Washington 25-yard line. Okay, you got 25 yards. You're supposed to be the, the number one offense in the NFL, and they have to squeak out a field goal instead of going and icing the game. And that's, that's to me, you know, like this is a really vague umbrella, but there's no killer instinct. I mean, there's none. They they don't have that. I think they have the the want, but they, they don't have, you know, they, they they can't walk the walk. They, they certainly believe in, in the talk, but they can't walk the walk right now on offense. And it all starts with Dak. And I don't know what it would take for us to feel better about this because I, I do think that, I don't think this Sunday is going to help offensively. And I tell you why um, friend of, of the show, Bobby belt from NFL network does a great mm-hmm. job. He has, yeah. he has identified and, and kind of been tracking. And, and this would, Dak would be the first person for this to be the case for, but Dak does not play well in the colder weather. And there's, there's enough data to kind of substantiate that it, it might be the cold. And it wasn't cold in Washington, despite the fact that the Cowboys brought their own heated benches. Um, but it, it certainly was cooler. I mean, you know, fifties, whatever. And so that, that worries you, right. If they're going to have to go to Lambeau, you know, because that's certainly in play here. Um, so I don't, I mean, but even if they did show up against the giants, it would be the giants, you know what I mean? And then if they did it the next week against Washington, they like, I, they don't, maybe if they showed up against Arizona, we would feel good, but I, I don't see the, I don't see the, the thing that they can do in the next month that would make us feel really good heading into the playoffs. The uh, the killer instinct and just being able to bury a team and and and, and as great as the defense played, I mean, just remarkable the plays that they made. And you just felt like after they were up eighteen points, you look at the first half and you're thinking, man, uh, there's no way Washington's going to come back or have a chance. Just for what we said, their offense is inept. 
their quarterback was struggling. There's so many things that the quarterback really was hurt to. too. Like, and, and, and their and their top wide receiver was hurt. They were all yeah. And the offensive line, every yeah, their defensive line. They were playing. You know, guys were on COVID. There was guys that they were just almost bringing off the street to play, and you're thinking, okay, why are they still in the damn game? And so that's to me is where you become a little bit cautious of what the Cowboys, and it's almost like you're just again you the. You can't get over that syndrome of holding your breath. You know, Tyron Smith, the ego gets hurt and, you know, making these just really bad decisions, throwing the football and just really not just keeping this team in. And then all of a sudden, the momentum shifts. And that's the thing. That's the recipe for a team to be able to come back. And you're thinking Dallas is wanting to be a second or third seed going into the playoffs. And this is that version. And the compliment, the, the thing that bothers me is that I know that some it's, it's like hurry up and get in the door. And, and then once you get in there, then, OK, let's let's finish this thing. But there was no capability of doing that. And to me, that's concern. And and to the point about you know, the elements, that is a huge thing. I, I think especially when you go to somewhere like New York, where you can't really predict the wind and the elements and you're playing in December, it, it may be some crazy weather where. Uh, it may be unseasonably warm or something like that. But the bottom line is that you got to be able to have some type of confidence. And I just think Dak, you can kind of sense his lack of confidence, if you will. I mean, he's a prideful guy, but you just kind of, once he starts, things kind of get off tick just a little bit, then it seems to me it just comes these decision makings and you're thinking, wow, is that the $40 million quarterback that we saw? Oh, by the way, he is still 8-1 against Washington, though. But uh, okay. regardless, <laughs> we got to um, consider the source of who they're playing. To me, the complimentary football, RJ, to me, is mind-boggling. Complement each other. You're playing great on defense. Okay, let's catch up and play great on the offensive side, and let's bury these guys. We haven't seen that. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity – but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Now, we haven't seen that here lately. We saw it against Atlanta. That's all. I mean, that's the only time you can say they, they did it all the way around because they even had the blocked uh, pun for the touchdown. They, I mean, they checked every box against Atlanta, but it was Atlanta, you know? I mean, uh, the, the only thing Atlanta's ever done right is draft Tony Casillas, if we're being totally uh, honest. But shout out uh, to that, man. <laughs> so um, this this was I was looking for this tweet while you were talking from from Bobby. Um, he tweeted after the game. It was an, he said this is another cold weather game in which Dak has struggled. The seven worst road passer rating games of his career have been games played in the 50s or lower there. I mean, 
But what's considered cold? You know, quarterbacks, you know, know, you play indoors. I think anything is going to be a a lot different. I think it's just the outside elements more than anything because – Yeah, like the wind and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You're saying he's not cold. It's just And they're not as fast on grass and decision-making. You're not seeing things. It's the clarity of it. Maybe that I would play into something like that, but it's not that cold. And and, and it doesn't matter. Even if you're Aaron Rodgers and you're in Green Bay, you don't practice outside in the elements. Yeah, you get you play more games outside, but you're not. You're indoors. You're executing. So Um, to me, I think that that gets over. I think it gets really overplayed, RJ, about not being a good quarterback or not. I get it, but. You know, if you're – was the game this early, this New England, and they played uh, – was it Buffalo, and, and the elements were just horrible. Yeah, it was like yeah, a blizzard yeah. there, and you had to run the football. Then I get that. But, like, come on. Man. You're a quarterback. you got to be able to adjust to those elements. So this is the last thing I'm going to say on deck. And a lot of people that listen to our shows have heard me mm-hmm. tell this story before. But it, it is prudent. It is – I. It, I've been thinking about it so much over the last month. Um Back in 2019, Dak did uh, the Cowboys Hour with Brad Shaman, and Taylor Stern. Um, just, you know, a night kind of talking about the Cowboys season and whatnot. And he was that was 2019 when he really started to have individual success. You know, we really started to see him kind of become a franchise quarterback, et cetera. And he talked about an analogy that John Kitna, who was his quarterbacks coach at the time, uh, would, would talk about and kind of <clears throat> use to describe the way you should play. And he talked about how it's you know it's like you're in the buffet line at golden corral and he said everybody is in line for the prime rib at the at the end of the line and he said and what we're going to do is we're not going to stay in this line and just wait for the prime rib you know we're going to pass the chicken fried steak and i'm adding some things here but the the pizza and the the fried fish and the spaghetti i don't know about you i'm not i know it's your story but i'm not passing the chicken fried steak. well no but that 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 was the point though that was the point is that we're we're not going to pass on that stuff just because we're we're waiting on the prime rib and and kidness point was we're not going to wait for that that 40 yard play downfield to develop we're going to take the the check down here the dalton schultz eight right. yards right here. We're, we're going to take that because at the end of the day, the prime rib is still going to be there, but we're going to put all this stuff on our plate and we're going to get there. And that is, that is the opposite of what Dak is doing right now. You, you see him and he's not only like just waiting for the prime rib, he's standing there like frantic, you know, like, like hands in his pockets, tapping his feet, you know what I mean? Checking his phone, kind of like peeking around the corner, like seeing how long the line is. He is so frantic. He's, he's trying to hit a home run, play after play after play and that's just not that's not going to work you know week in a week out yeah I, I don't know I think maybe it's because of the injury to his calf earlier this year or maybe from last year uh, you know the ankle injury but and I, I see people all the time or on Twitter during the games I want to just run the ball and I think sometimes yeah maybe he should kind of improvise a little bit and maybe try to find and do the check downs but there's times when he could just go ahead and run it get you you don't have to get 10 yards, but just kind of move it, get four or five yards. And look, I, I don't know. Maybe that's the, his, his, the way he's going to play considering his health and everything. I understand right. that. I, I get that. But I think the decision-making when he, that, you know, that, that play action, that, that bootleg, when he was trying to hit the tight end and out in the, not in the flat, but just where they were trying to develop that, that backside play and, and Holcomb undercut the play to me, mm. 
And the defensive end did a great job of keeping containment. That's your and, fault, by the way, because you you shouted out Holcomb last week on the seven five zero. So that's your fault. Well, and I was looking at and I was watching the four games that they won. But I, my point is, is that those guys sooner or later, when you continue to try to do the same play, and I think maybe people get on Kellum Kellum more for some decision making, but that was just all on Dak. That was right. just a bad decision. You can't have him making these bad decisions. And, and, and again, they flipped it where the game was like 20 to 20 to 27. And, and it's just, there's so much difference. And I love, I love Dak Prescott. I think he's a tremendous, he's a great leader and he's going, he's not playing to his level. But when you watch people like Aaron Rodgers play a game of oh, football, dude. it's like watching, and we're going to talk about this guy. It's like effortless. It's like watching Micah Parsons play as a rookie. It's just it's absurd, the decisions. And how the concisions that he makes as far as making plays, it's ridiculous. Have you ever seen anybody like Micah Parsons outside of Charles Haley? Because I feel like he might be the like an, somebody who can make that kind of a difference. Oh, uh, he's better. He's better than Charles Haley. I, Holy I, crap. What and, a sentence. And, and, and look, I'm, I'm sorry. No disrespect to you know, my sure. boy Charles Haley. I mean, he does so many great things. His cherry's got this uh, t- tackles tomorrow. And, and, and he no, he's the go for sure. But I, I just, uh, I, I never the the last player that I've seen that has this much effect on a game is Lawrence Taylor. And to me, I, I've I've seen Reggie White. I've seen him play. People have seen the minister defense amazing. Mm. But what he is able to do to a game and just dictate and make changes is a rookie. It's effortless. It's like watching Aaron Rodgers throw the ball. But this kid, and then the whole thing about doing the push-ups on I mean, the guy, the kid. It just likes to go out there and have a good time. He's almost like this kid that doesn't know any better. And 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 I love the 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 what they the you know the the comments are made about him and Dan Quinn about having everyone all his players available because you saw when you line up five guys across the the line of scrimmage and cover each offensive lineman up and you have Micah Parsons mm-hmm. and you got to pick that guy up on one on one situations. And like Neville Gallimore had the, the the bull rush of the century. I mean, I love that. And oh, you were you were obsessed ready, ready. with that. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I love that. I mean, I, I didn't want anything to you know. Poor the, the the center. I hope he's fine. I mean, that was just a ferocious uh, bull rush. But those are the matchups that you want. Like Lawrence Taylor, you watch him do the same thing. It's just effortless. It's like it's like he's so athletic and he's just making things happen. And it's it's just comes so easy. And that's what Micah Parsons. He is slowing down this game. People don't understand as a rookie the transition you have to make from college to the NFL. But and it misses and it was out his last year of COVID at Penn State. Mm-hmm. So and then the fact that where he's picked up and been able to go out there and just make his impact is just crazy. Um, you mentioned the push-ups and you mentioned how he's just kind of having fun. It does he, he does feel this is an easy comparison, but he does feel like 2016 Dak and Zeke when they were rookies. And there is this like youthful fun to it like you said he doesn't know better like it's he, he he hasn't seen it you know what I mean like there's this innocence to him um which is fun and it's it's a nice you know bit of energy in this season certainly what he's what he's doing is, is a huge part of that I I think again I'm, I'm not the first person to make this comparison but he has talked so many times about how much he loves chess and that that's been a, a cool wrinkle to his personality 
And he's mm-hmm. talked before about wanting to be the queen on the board. And for, for anybody who doesn't know, the queen is the most powerful uh, piece on a chessboard. It can move in any direction. It's it's simply put the most powerful piece. But what makes and it oh, unique, by the way, Queen's Gambit is a tremendous oh, show on that. For sure. I bet Micah agrees. But oh, yeah. he is he has talked about that wanting to be the queen because certain pieces the bishop or the knight or the rook, they can only move in one particular, or not the knight, but the bishop or the rook can only move in one direction or, or one lineage, so to speak. And he's talked about, I want to be the queen. I want to be able to, I want to be the most powerful piece. I want to be able to do this and do that. And he is that. That's why, you know, it's it's hard to put him in a box. It's hard to say he's the best linebacker in the NFL. He's the best edge rusher in the NFL. He's he's everything. I mean, he he's there. It does not make sense what he's doing. Uh, we have uh, we have a, a video we're going to put up on the YouTube channel about how he should be in defensive player of the year conversations. Obviously, you know, a lot of people agree with that. But Tony, check this out. So this is Micah compared to five players who did win defensive player of the year. 2020 Aaron Donald, 2018 Aaron Donald, 2016 Khalil Mack, 2015 J.J. Watt and 2008 James Harrison, who stole that award from DeMarcus Ware. Now, Micah does have less pressures per game than Donald, Mac, or J.J. Watt. But to be fair, he's not a down lineman, obviously, as you know. He has more tackles per game, significantly more tackles per game than any of them. He has almost more sacks per game than all of them. He, he has, he's comparable in terms of sacks per game to Donald, J.J. Watt, and James Harrison. He has almost the most forced fumbles per game. He has almost the highest win percentage in pass rush. He has the by far furthest back average depth of tackle against runs, despite the fact that Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, J.J. Watt basically played exclusively as a pass rusher, and Micah has only played there just over 50% of the time. What a freaking superstar. It is. It's it's amazing the work that he's done and, and the, the statistics. And I think the one thing is you don't you – don't, doesn't show up. The stats, obviously, the 12 sacks and the t- tackles for loss is disruption. Disruption credit. It's the fact that he has on every snap that he plays. And that's something that you, you should really watch. And I think if you're if you're someone that that identifies, you know, all those guys, a lot that they have in common, Khalil Mack, and you mentioned uh, JJ Watt, and obviously Aaron Donald. And I'm not, I, maybe I'm a little biased, but I know as a defensive lineman, I know an Aaron Donald where he has to work and just sure. you know, down in the. It's it's hard to manufacture, you know, some of those stats and be that impactful, but he has. He did last night against the Rams. We're doing our podcast show on Tuesday, and the Rams, you saw some of the plays he made last night. But every play, Michael Parsons, when you watch him, he's doing something. And they're using, utilizing his ability to do that. And there's not – and I'll go back to Lawrence Taylor. And, and there's not too many guys that you can take out of the box and say, look, okay, dude, we're going to line you up on the edge. We're going to line you up over the center. We're going to maybe – you're going to drop in coverage. You can do whatever you want to do because you're that impactful and you're that great. And I cannot think of a, another person except Micah Parsons, a modern day, modern day Lawrence Taylor. And people that don't know who Lawrence Taylor is, just Google and, and look. I, I wouldn't extol the general, but Lawrence Taylor was a one was a one badass dude. I will say that. I mean, he had nine and a half sixes, nine and a half sacks his rookie year, and that. I think it was before it was a 19, was it 1982 or 80? I'm trying to think, 80. I'm trying to think of when he came out, but it was in the early 80s. It's before what sacks is, really. What is, your, what is your official guess? 
I believe it's 1982, wasn't it? Or not? No, I came out in 86. So I'm going to say he came out in 82, right? 83? You're a year off. It was 81. Okay, 81. But nine and a half sacks, and really, sacks weren't really something that was registered. It was, mm-hmm. in, but still, the fact of what he was able to do, and you go and watch him, he was just like Micah. He was off the edge. He was over the center. He was everywhere. And when you turn that film on, dude, that dude jumped out. And that's exactly what you do. You go in the meeting room and you say, look, watch this guy play. And I would go, I remember going and watching LT play because I dreamt about trying to be a Red, Reggie White is the same player. He does these stupid, these stupid, you know, superhuman. But we're talking about a rookie. And to me, that's just an amazing itself and being able to do that. I, I don't want to speak for you, but I think what also like what 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 my mind suggests is a difference between Reggie White, the, the late great Reggie White and Micah is Reggie. I'm pretty sure Reggie White was born as a full grown man. You know, like I oh, could yeah. ne- <laughs> like I, I could never <laughs> imagine him as a child. You know what I mean? Like, like 20 pounds. He's coming. In, he's doing a rip. But, tech but like I'm, <laughs> like his I'm sure he had like a deep voice, like out of the room. You, you know what I mean? Like in a full yeah. beard. Like he, he right. there was something like you mentioned. You mentioned his, his nickname, obviously, the, the minister of defense. I mean, he 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 was this kind of like adult in the room you know what i mean whereas micah's like this kid you know like that that's what's so crazy is that he has the same impact despite you know sort of feeling like the puppy compared to the the grown it's very appealing too right it really is um so lawrence taylor played 13 seasons in the nfl different game i'm I'm not at all saying micah's better gonna be better whatever different game but 13 seasons in the nfl how many times tony do you think lt had at least 12 sacks um, I'm going to say, and I saw this, I'm going to say seven times. You're wrong. Five, five times oh, he had. I, I was going to go a little under on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just to your point, what Mike is, this is, <clears throat> and, and this is what I worry about long-term is we're now, we, we now know what he is, what Micah Parsons is. And so I worry that, and I hope I'm wrong that he can do this year in and year out, but this, this is not normal. You know, you know what I mean? Th- what he's doing is, there's no there's no box it fits into and so this this is something very 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 special and that's what's frustrating about the offense is you have this like like people use the term swiss army knife all the time he's not a swiss army knife he's a bazooka he's a bazooka that that you use against tiny animals and big animals you know what i mean he's just a bazooka you fire at any threat and you have that i mean how long have we said the cowboys need that weapon on defense and they have it and so that that's what's frustrating about this offense. It's just like, get it together, man, because you have this dude on the other side of the ball who can change the game for you. If you can do your part, you really can do something special. He's a utility enforcer. He can do it from all, all facets on the defense. But I got to give credit to the guys that really give him an opportunity. And it was similar to – it was similar to LT and you look at some of these great guys that, you know, that accompany each other, you know, the Randy Gregory's, you know, the Marcus Lawrence's being able to have those guys out because you just can't lock in on one dude. And I think that that opens up Pandora's box for him. And I, I think that it's great to be able to have someone that, that is young, very is ferocious, got such a veracity and everything that goes along with it. But understands his role and will do anything. And, and, and look, I like that because, you know, that resonates with other guys in the defense. And so, yeah, I, I, I think that the, 
I think the frustrating thing is for Dallas Cowboys fans is to see how good the defense is playing mm-hmm. and how kind of discombobulated, not discombobulated, but just inconsistent. The deep, the offense looks at times. You're thinking, okay, let's catch up. <laughs> They're opening the door for you. Let's walk through it. Come on, let's go. Let's go in at this, the same time. Let's, yeah. let's, let's, <laughs> we want to be seen together. Okay. Well, man, way to, way to bring that analogy full circle, Tony. <laughs> that was, uh, that was well done. Um, okay. Uh, we've said it all. I mean, we'll, we'll obviously, you know, kind of take this week by week. But right now, if you had, I want you to tell me the record the Cowboys have over their final four games. So they're, they've got, they're on the road against the Giants on Sunday. They get Washington at home next Sunday. Then they get Arizona at home the week after that. And then they finish the season on the road against Philadelphia. Now, to be fair, before you, you tell me what they're going to do in these four games, depending on obviously what happens but over the next three weeks, that game in Philadelphia might not mean anything to them. You know, that they might be locked into whatever, two seed, three seed, four seed. You know, we have yet to see what it ultimately will be. So just understand, everybody, that that, that could change. But if you had to right now, Tony, tell me what they do over these four games. What's their record? Well, I got them beating the Giants. Okay. The so Redskins. Oh, Redskins. I'm sorry. I apologize. I, mm-hmm. The Washington football team. Uh, man, I, that's old school. My bad. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be an interesting game because I think that you're going to get, they're going to get back some of their players that they lost. And, and I, I, I think, uh, you know, Josh Allen really probably give them a better opportunity when I, as far as quarterback. I, th- but to make the long story short, I think they beat Washington. So there you got, 10, you got 11 and four at that point. Uh, Arizona, I don't know how much, I don't know what Arizona at that time, I think they'll kind of get a picture of what they want to do. And I don't see right. them playing a lot of their players. They can, they can, and it depends yeah, on Yeah, they what might the Cowboys, be locked too. Right. Yeah. So it might, and I don't know what, if it's going to benefit the Cowboys playing their starters. So uh, to me, that's kind of a toss up game. Mm-hmm. But I'll give them, I, I'll give them, uh, I'll just say loss because Arizona right now, I think it's better on offensive side, but who knows? So uh, that will be was now that you're 12? eleven and five. It was eleven and five. Okay, eleven yeah. and five. Uh, and then Philadelphia, I, I think that that could go either way, as you just mentioned. Yeah, they they are they may already know what their fate is and maybe locked up what they want to do. But I think they can finish with twelve wins. I I got them going twelve and what five. twelve and twelve and five. So you got three and one down the stretch here, which. Given given the fact that they've won two in a row, that would put them their fi- over their final six games five. Ask and one. me, ask me about style points. So it's it's not it may not be the prettiest twelve and five because I mean, of what we saw against Washington, but I think that they can they can pretty much man, manufacture twelve wins, maybe thirteen. But I don't think it's going to ever. That's the thing about the Cowboys is that. It's just it's kind of like watching Minnesota sometimes. You, they make you, you sit there until the, the last you know, minute of the game because you don't know what they're going to do. It's kind of like helter skelter. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Um, well, goodness gracious. Seems like the next month's going to be interesting, uh, to say the least. By the way, Tony, I just saw this um, for anyone who's interested. Um, obviously, we talked about Spider-Man coming out on Friday. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes is a very popular, you know, movie critic site. You know, they grade movies and whatnot. It got a hundred, a score of a hundred, as far as their evaluation system. Man, so it looks amazing. A all perfect villains, score. All the villains are coming back. And uh, who's your favorite? Who's your your favorite all time Spider Man? 
You mean like the actor that played them? Yeah, actor, yes. Um, I mean, like, I love Tom Holland now. I mean, like, it's really mm-hmm. fun and it's been fun. I, he he has an unfair advantage because he's gotten to be part of, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, you know, so he's he's but but I mean, like, you know, I, like I will never forget the first Spider-Man movie ever with Tobey Maguire. Like, oh it, it, I mean, you know, I went and saw that with my mom and I, I remember very, very vividly like the experience of it and how cool it was. I mean, like a lot of people, I've, I've loved Spider-Man my whole life. And so like Toby, like I've told you before, Tony Romo is my all time favorite athlete of my life because he was the Cowboys quarterback when I was, you know, at, at a very influential age. Right. He, he was the quarterback when I was in high school and college, you know, so, you know, he was the he was the quarterback of my favorite team through a lot of important moments in my life. You know what I'm saying? And so it's hard to replace that emotional connection. And so Tom Holland is awesome. But Toby Maguire, you know, that's my guy. How about yeah, you? agreed on that. Agreed on that. Okay. Who's your favorite yeah. villain? Oh, that's a great one. Uh, I kind of like the Sandman. Um, was it uh, William Defoe? The Green Goblin, baby. I like yeah. the Green Goblin. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of I think I like the Green Goblin. And then uh, I'm trying to think of which other one. But I think I'll go with the, the William uh, William Defoe's character, the Green Goblin. That's pretty good. I'm with you. Uh, well, I hope uh, whoever's going to watch it has a good time. I uh, hope they enjoy. Don't hold the door open for anybody. That's the advice from Tony Casillas. Uh, Wait a second. That's what be Tony. A that, that was. No, uh, be a gentleman. <laughs> a bunch uh, of dudes and a bunch of big uh, football players who don't want to hurry up. Hey, leave their ass. No, don't yeah. do that. Don't do that defense. Mm. They're going to catch up. Hold the door open for week, everybody. This is the week to catch up against the dreaded Giants. Let's do it. Uh, Tony, <laughs> you said it all. You did it all. Everybody, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next Tuesday. This was the 750.